Forming the Life of a Franciscan, Part One, Chapter Five, Page Twenty Nine, Self Denial. Drawing from our Franciscan tradition, we began with writings and reflections from several Franciscans. Francis emptying himself for God alone. The man of God, the Blessed Francis, had been taught not to seek his own salvation, but what he discerned would help the salvation of others. More than anything else, he desired to be set free, and to be with Christ. Thus, his chief object of concern was to live free from all things that are in the world, so that his manner, serenity, would not be disturbed. Even for a moment, by contact with any of its dust, he made himself insensible to all outside noise, gathering his external senses into his inner being, and checking the impetus of his spirit. He emptied himself for God alone. In the clefts of the rock, he would build his nest, and in the hollow of the wall, his dwelling. With blessed devotion, he visited the heavenly mansions, and totally emptied of himself, he rested for a long time in the wounds of the Savior. That is why he often chose solitary places to focus his heart entirely on God. From Thomas of Celano, the Life of Saint Francis, pages two forty-three to two forty-four. Francis abandons his hut to a peasant. Blessed Francis gathered with the others in a place called Rivo Torto, near the city of Assisi. In this place, there was an abandoned hut. Under its cover lived these despisers of great and beautiful houses, protecting themselves from the torrents of rain. As the saint said, it is easier to get to heaven from a hut. Than from a palace, all his sons and broader brothers were living in that same place with the Blessed Father, with great labor and lacking everything. Often they were deprived of the comfort of bread, content with turnips they begged in their need here and there on the plain of Assisi. The place in which they were staying was so narrow that they could barely sit. Or sleep in it. One day, while they were staying there, a man came leading an ass to the little shelter where the man of God and his companions were staying. To avoid being sent away, the man urged the ass to enter by saying, "Get inside, for we shall do well for this place." When the holy Francis heard this statement. He took it seriously, since he knew the man's intention. The man thought that the brothers wanted to stay there to expand the place by joining house to house. Immediately, Saint Francis left the place, abandoning it because of what the peasant had said. He moved to another place not far away, which was called Porto Uncola, where he had repaired the church of Saint Mary. A long time before, he wanted to own nothing, so that he could possess everything more fully in the Lord. Thomas of Celano, 
The Life of Francis, pages 220-222. Getting Ourselves Out of God's Way Self-denial is at the very root of the life in Christ. It is also one of the most frequently misunderstood practices in our rule. The term itself can evoke images of saints sleeping fitfully on beds of thorns, or of penitents crawling for miles on their knees while practicing self-flagellation. In practice, it can serve as an excuse for avoiding the very things it calls us to address. We can use it to justify things that are really self-indulgent excesses, unhealthy extremes of fasting, self-serving attitudes of false piety, selfless overwork to physical and emotional exhaustion. Or we can commit to do more than is reasonable, always put the needs of others first, or give up everything pleasurable. These things usually turn out to be a form of false pride, self-defeating, and bring a debt of fatigue. Guilt and resentment that eventually leave us in worse spiritual shape than we were before. Sometimes we see self-denial expressed in a rule merely as limiting one's intake of sweets. Though the practice of fasting can be a useful part of it, Self-denial is far more demanding than simply saying no to a second helping of chocolate mousse or giving up red meat on Fridays. Self-denial asks us to take a hard look at what separates us from the love of God and from others and to find ways to promote more loving relationships. For example, a person might choose to spend some of their TV time visiting a nursing home or their internet time writing a letter to someone who depends on snail mail, or giving up sarcastic commenting or complaining. Through our practice of self-denial, we begin to get out of God's way, to put aside our own limited concept of self in order to embrace a more complete selfhood in Christ, It calls us to release our spiritual breaks, to let go and let God. It is not the self we deny, but the selfish, the self-centered, the self-serving, the self-willed, or the false self. Richard Rohr from Immortal Diamond. The Grace of Trusting God The Difficulty is that working for self-denial is not the way to practice it. Self-denial comes by grace, to let go and let God, to align the self fully with God, to live thy will be done, is not a denial of the self per se. It is a denial of what we think the self must have and a realization that God knows and gives what the self truly needs. We try to be constantly mindful of our dependence upon God and of our not being God. We try to detach ourselves from all clinging, from those beliefs that I need a particular thing or person in order to be happy.
self-denial practices, my happiness does not depend upon having this or that. It proclaims my God and my all. When we practice the discipline of saying no to our own needs by putting God first, we learn that self-denial involves our interior life and our relationship with God, others, and self. This does not mean negating the self that makes up our individuality and identity as a person. That is neither a useful nor healthy goal. After all, that self is the very one God created in the first place. Letting go of what is not truly us. Positive self-denial calls us to let go of the ideas, attitudes, and behaviors that limit our potential for growth in Christ. Paradoxically, This requires us to learn to accept and embrace those very parts of ourselves we feel we need to eliminate before we are able to let go of them. In practice, self-denial requires more self-acceptance than self-rejection. It could mean learning to receive the gifts of others graciously as well as to give more freely of our own. Learning to embrace rather than to renounce, learning to let ourselves enjoy God's prodigal bounty rather than to reject it, learning to dance when before we have merely allowed ourselves to plod, declining to play God. As we explore deeply our relationship to God and others, we discover that self-denial is related to chastity, the practice of honesty, respect, and integrity in our personal relationships. In this sense, denying self includes recognizing and overcoming how we play God by our often subtle manipulation of others to get our own way. We are often very skillful at hiding this even from ourselves. It means working towards taking our full responsible place as brothers and sisters in Christ, while also recognizing that others have an equal place and value in the family of God. It is also related to humility. Eliminating false pride is therefore a major part of self-denial. So is eliminating false humility. In addition, self-denial includes overcoming that part of ourselves that thinks we just might be perfect if we only work at it hard enough. It recognizes that it is only by God's grace that we are able to selflessly serve God. Francis's example. Francis's way of being in the world teaches us much about Franciscan self-denial. Who are you, my most dear God? And who am I, a worm and your little servant? Ugolino, page 455. The vocal inflection in this statement can make all the difference. If we hear Francis emphasize worm, we feel the unworthiness, the self-negation of his cry. Yet, 
emphasis on your servant gives us an entirely different viewpoint. As small and unworthy as Francis knows he is in relationship to the glory of his God and all, he recognizes that he is called to servanthood, that the Lord loves him and finds him useful and worthy for his unimaginable honor. From that basis, Francis proceeds to serve the Lord. From the other, he might only bewail his uselessness. He does this too, often enough, but not to the point of actually becoming useless, which is the real danger in that form of denial. In spite of his self-doubts, Francis conformed himself to the image of Christ broken, pouring out a self-giving love more completely than probably any other human being in history has managed to do. He rose above his feelings of unworthiness, his prideful spots, his self-interest, and let them go to allow God's transfiguring love and glory to shine through him like a beacon. We all share some common issues that need to be offered up to the transforming grace of God. The method you use to do this is best worked out with your spiritual director. The results will tell you if you are on the right track. The fruit of true self-denial like the fruit of the Spirit, is joyous love. The following are questions for your reflection. Number one, what parts of you are ripe for self-acceptance rather than self-rejection? Number two, think about the interconnections between self-denial, chastity, and humility. How could you express these connections in your own life? Number three, what barriers, pride, hurts, fears, idols, etc., stand between you and the indescribable joy of serving God? And finally, number four, what has been an example of joyous love you experienced when you were able to let go of your false self to let God's fullness in.